This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world. Built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. I hope everyone is doing great. As you noticed, I was not here yesterday, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're over here on the video audience at pain.tv slash gold, you may notice that I look a little older to you maybe if you're listening on the free side on the audio podcast there might i may sound a bit older to you of course i'm stumbling on my words so i may sound like a senior citizen who is starting to lose his mind but ladies and gentlemen i am older yesterday was my birthday i turned 42 years old born on january 19th 1981 that was the day before ronald reagan was sworn in as president And you know what that means? Absolutely nothing. That's what it means, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, I turned 42, and I'm wearing a new shirt here also that my wife got me. She got me a new shirt. She said, wear something different on the show. You're always wearing black all the time. Uh, And I told her, I said, "I, I would rather be wearing a suit, but I dress down for the folks. We live in slob culture now, so I have to be part of that. Otherwise, when I start putting these videos out on YouTube and everything, no one will take me seriously. I look like a Jimmy Fallon hosting the uh, Tonight Show or something like that. I just can't can't do that anymore. Can't do that. You don't want to look professional these days, or you run the risk of looking like a stiff. People will think I'm giving a speech at the World Economic Forum or something. So anyway, she got me this shirt. She also got me a copy, a first edition copy of 
Confessions of an Economic Hitman. I've talked about that on the show. That was the book she read 20 years ago that convinced her not to work for the World Bank. All about this guy who ended up getting tangled up with the intelligence agencies and he would go into these poor countries and help hijack them and hijack their resources. I haven't read it. Wide Awake Jim has a copy. He didn't read it yet. So let me see if I could beat him to the punch because that guy reads about one book a day. I mean, he's been highlighting this book he's reading and sending me screenshots. I'm like, ah, here we go. Next week when he comes on the show, we're going to have to change it all up again, folks. Because Jim just constantly absorbs information. It's quite interesting, though, because what he just sent me ties right into Confessions of an Economic Hitman. He's uh, looking at this book, and it's talking all about how the industrialists use the guise of climate change, of which they invented. Um, You know, we've talked about this before, but essentially they are polluting the planet, right? They pollute the water, they pollute the soil, they pollute the skies, they pollute the air, they pollute the food, they pollute everything. And then they own all the industrial technological equipment, the manufacturing and everything else. They turn around, they say climate change is here, hurricanes and floods and cold snaps and heat waves and tornadoes and all this other stuff come from us and it's increasing because of CO2 emission. When in fact, that is just a grift, number one. And number two, it's run as a scam to drive us into central bank digital currency carbon carbon credit-based slave system. That's what's actually happening. Uh, On top of it, over the years, they've controlled all the major so-called environmentalist organizations. They're just controlled opposition. They are front men, and they use those groups to then claim that the poor people, the poor countries, the indigenous primitive folks they are in fact climate polluters and the only way that they could redeem themselves is to allow the industrialists uh, industrialists to come in and to bring technology into their countries and in fact what they do is they end up getting them trapped in a debt scam For instance, offering them up a power grid or some sort of a water purification infrastructure system that they can never pay for, and then they are able to hijack the country and steal all the resources. Go in there and get the lithium and the cobalt and such. I mean, this has been going on for years. So it's a twofold situation. Uh, The author of Industrial Society and its Future talks a bit about that. Uh, Jim's seeing it in his books, and this is the basis for what confessions of an economic hitman are so i'm going to read that we'll be able to tie all this together for you folks but that's what's going on that's what's going on the technocrats are going in and they're hijacking all this land all the resources at the same time in the industrialized societies they're blaming climate change on me and you for the purpose of driving us into a cbdc scam a cbdc based slave system that's that's what's actually happening ladies and gentlemen All right, so what I'm going to do is I want to jump right into industrial society and its future. I'm not even going to warm you folks up anymore because I'm going to make an attempt to try to finish this today. 
if we can, so we can move on to some other pressing matters. Uh, and I appreciate everyone who's been emailing me and such, saying they appreciate the coverage of this. They figured out what the paper is. They said they haven't seen anyone really do any in-depth analysis of this, and they really appreciate us covering it over here. So let's pick up where we left off yesterday. That's paragraph 189. Remember, we're talking about, from the author's perspective, a revolution of humans trying to fight back against and tear down the technological state, or what he calls the industrial technological system, and that would be called technocracy. He also talks about the state or the system socializing people into the system. That would be what we would call social engineering. Um, so we have technocracy and social engineering. Obviously, they go hand in hand. We know the definition of technocracy is the science of social engineering and the systematic control of the means of production and the distribution of goods and services. So let's pick up here, paragraph 189. The author says, prior to that final struggle, the revolutionaries should not expect to have a majority of people on their side. History is made by active, determined minorities, not by the majority, which seldom has a clear and consistent idea of what it really wants. Until the time comes for the final push toward revolution, the task of revolutionaries will be less to win the shallow support of the majority than to build a small core of deeply committed people. As for the majority, it will be enough to make them aware of the existence of the new ideology and remind them of it frequently. Though, of course, it will be desirable to get majority support to the extent that this can be done without weakening the core of seriously committed people. And, and I think if you put that into context today, remember, this is written in 1995, 28 years ago. What the author is advocating for is a revolution against the technological system. At this time, I don't know if the author realized how organized the industrial technological society was, technocracy. I don't know if he realized that it was a worldwide, one world government, new world order type of system, a top down system. But what he advocates for is not a bloody revolution against the system, but an ideological revolution against the system. And as he points out, we covered this yesterday in episode 137, the natural ideal, uh, sort of the counter ideal to technocracy, to technology in general, is wild nature. Right, So he says you don't need to come up with an idea for a utopian planned society that is a counter to the technological, technocratic planned society. You just need to push people toward this idea of wild nature being the counter to technology because technology will always engulf humanity and it will always take away freedom and it will always drive us towards complete and total enslavement whether there is an organized movement up above some tyrannical 
structure that wants to rain down this dystopian future upon us or not, technology will always continue to grow toward removing human freedom and human autonomy and liberty. That's what the author keeps saying throughout this paper. And that the good elements, the supposed good in quotes, elements of technology cannot be separated from the so-called, quote, bad elements of technology. They can't be separated because technology always moves toward the destruction of freedom. And as I pointed out, the destruction of the natural world and humanity altogether. Technology will continue to advance until it completely swallows up humanity. That's why I talk about the engineering of humanity out of existence. Paragraph 190, any kind of social conflict helps to destabilize the system. But one should be careful about what kind of conflict one encourages. The line of conflict should be drawn between the mass of the people and the power-holding elite of industrial society. Politicians, scientists, upper-level business executives, government officials, etc., It should not be drawn between the revolutionaries and the mass of the people, okay? And so, as he pointed out in paragraph 189, we, the minority, don't need the majority on board. And this is evidence throughout history, right? Even if you believe sort of the the fictionalized fairy tale of the founding of the country, that you had 3% of the folks that really stood for the revolution. They were willing to risk their blood, their fortune, their families, their farms for the revolution, The vast majority in the middle were going to just go along with whoever won, whether it was the revolutionaries or whether it was the crown, right? And it's the same thing here. He's saying the vast majority will just go along, so you don't have to convince everyone to wake up to what is going on. And now he's saying, don't pick a battle between you and let's say your neighbor who isn't on board with this idea, the conflict should be drawn between the mass of the people and the power-holding elite of industrial society. He mentions politicians, scientists, upper-level business executives, government officials. I say you point the finger at the technocrats, the investors, the United Nations, the Bank for International Settlements, uh, all these big major organizations that we know Uh, have power now unfortunately and i don't know if the author would have taken this into consideration i don't think so i don't think even he would recognize that 28 years after he wrote this that's unfortunately the mass of the people actually work for the system at this point whether they work for the government or they're government contractors or they work for companies that are floated by government money or they are programmers and software developers and scientists and engineers and doctors and lawyers everyone now has been absorbed underneath this system so to try to convince your neighbor to free himself of the very system that he is in one way or another helping build it's very difficult to get people to want to leave a system when there are short turn gains for them to stay within the system. Unfortunately, I don't think many people think beyond three, four, five, even a generation, right? Three, four, five years, even a whole generation. I don't think they're thinking that way anymore. Most people are just thinking about their next paycheck or their next bonus. And, and that is the way the system rigged it. It goes on to say, instead, 
the average American should be portrayed as a victim of the advertising and marketing industry, which has suckered him into buying a lot of junk that he doesn't need, and that is very poor compensation for his lost freedom. Either approach is consistent with the facts. It is merely a matter of attitude whether you blame the advertising industry for manipulating the public or blame the public for allowing itself to be manipulated. As a matter of strategy, one should generally avoid blaming the public, right? So if you sit down at a table with your friend and you are trying to convince them that the system is as bad as it actually is, the last thing you want to do is blame that person. So you don't want to blame them to their face for going out and getting vaccinated. As Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, would call these people our anchors. They drive us down. But you're never going to convince them in any way whatsoever to join you in this pushback against the system to remove, let's just say, start simple, just getting them to leave the house without the iPhone, take the smart objects out of their homes. You're never going to convince them if you say to them, look, you stupid idiot, it's all your fault. But if you can frame this, they say, or the author says the advertising and marketing industry, I would say the media, the bankers, you can add all those into it now, have played a trick on all of us. It's difficult enough to get people to admit that they were flim-flammed, let alone if you point the finger and you say, listen, you stupid anchor, this is your fault for dragging all of us down. The author is saying that you should turn them against the system itself, Point the finger at the big industries, the bankers, the government that flim-flam them, especially those that you know, I would say, this is my opinion, who went and got vaccinated kind of against their will because they were going to lose their job. And now you see all this vaccine stuff coming out. Maybe you start to talk to those people and you say, listen, I feel bad for you. You were flim-flammed, but you want to know what's coming? What happened to you is just the beginning. It's just the tip of the iceberg. Let me explain to you what these monsters have in store for all of humanity. It's time for humanity to unite, ladies and gentlemen. Start preaching. Start waking people up to the system that is coming at us at warp speed. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. And I'll be here operating at warp speed for you. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, ladies, I was going to tell a quick story, but I, I want to move forward with this, folks. Uh, and let's just point this out, because the author said here, I just, I'll give you an example of this, though. The author says here, um, it should not be drawn between the revolutionaries and the mass of the people. He's talking about the basically the ridicule. ridicule. He says, for example, it, it would be a bad strategy for the revolutionaries to condemn Americans for their habits of consumption. 
And that's really important. Let's just talk about that for a second. Wide Awake Jim actually mentioned, I think he did on the show, at least he did in a conversation with me. And he said, if, if folks, if you're people that identify in the left, like some of the people in his family, if they really want to fight pollution, right, if you can convince them that the man-made climate change thing is not real, but pollution is in fact real, we're not arguing that, and they want to fight pollution, they could lower their consumption. And I've said to a lot of folks, my friends, um, during COVID land, the high school theater production, if they were thinking of moving toward homeschooling and, and things of that nature, or my wife and I moved towards the home birth to exit the Rockefeller Medical Industrial Complex, we had to pay out of pocket. I've talked about that on the show. We had to put up like $6,500. And people say, oh, how did you afford that? Meanwhile, they've got, you know, three car payments six flat screen TVs, you know, all types of stuff they don't really need. You know, a seven-bedroom McMansion in the suburbs when they've got two children. You know, one of the things I think you can start to talk to people about is maybe, uh, look, and I'm not saying people need to go live in mud huts or you got to move out in the woods and live inside of a, a burlap sack or something like that, but one of the ways you can start to exit the rat race and have more time to spend with your kids, to homeschool your kids, to take your kids out on hiking and camping excursions, uh, to take trips and introduce them to different people from different uh, careers and such, is start to lower your expenses. You know, get rid of, maybe get rid of the new cars and buy a couple of old cars. You know, get rid of some of the TVs, maybe shrink down the size of your house. These are things you can do that start to allow you to free yourself from the system. You know, if your monthly overhead between your mortgage on some giant McMansion, three car payments, you know, all this other unnecessary stuff is $10,000 a month, you got to go out there and work your ass off just to make $10,000 a month just to cover your overhead to keep up this, this materialistic, consumeristic lifestyle. And then if you're working that hard, if you're putting in 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week just to have all that stuff and you're not spending time with your kids, uh, maybe if you can cut that 80 hours a week back to 40 because you cut back your expenses, you cut those in half, now you have an extra 40 hours a week to homeschool your kid. This stuff that is a lot more important than having three car payments. Again, don't criticize people for this. I'm not. You know, I, I know plenty of people over the years that fell into the habit of this, living inside of this debt-based society, this consumeristic, materialistic, soulless society. Cut back on some of those things. Maybe save up some of that money if you want to keep working, if you're someone who likes to work. Cut back on the expenses, set aside the money, buy that piece of land. You know, you don't have to necessarily even develop it right away. That's what we're looking at doing, um, trying to get 10 acres and maybe we'll sit on it, save up a little more, then build on it. We're going through some different ideas. So, you know, start to have talks with people that want to free the system. Maybe they're thinking about homeschooling their kid, but they say, I can't, you know, both uh, myself and my wife work, you know, 80 hours a week. Well, I don't know, maybe cut back on some of the expenses. Maybe you don't need some of that stuff that you have, and then you could balance out your priorities. Let's continue. Paragraph 191. 
one should think twice before encouraging any other social conflict than that between the power-holding elite, which wields technology, and the general public, over which technology exerts its power, right? So the elite control the technology. They wield that technological power. And then the general public, the technology exerts its power over them. They don't realize that. So that's part of what you can start to teach people. For one thing, other conflicts tend to distract attention from the important conflicts between power elite and ordinary people, between technology and nature. For another thing, other conflicts may actually tend to encourage technicalization because each side in such a conflict wants to use technological power to gain advantages over its adversary. Very, very interesting there. Okay, that's why I don't comment much on Twitter, because I will see folks, and I call these controlled opposition or misinformation or disinformation agents, and what happens is you will see someone speaking out or appearing to speak out against technocracy or transhumanism or technology, but then their solution is to drive you further into technology so be careful getting in all these different fights this is why i don't chase a lot of fires either because i don't like to distract myself from the big message here which we built all the way up to through 140 episodes it took to try to get here to explain this to you folks that the big issue here is technology and the technological system as a whole i think if you've been listening since episode one you're able to stomach this. I know it's a hard pill to swallow, but as I've said before, this is the gold pill. You know, it is the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth about this system. And this is the reality, folks. Goes on to say this is clearly seen in rivalries between nations. It also appears in ethnic conflicts within nations. For example, in America, many black leaders are anxious to gain power for African Americans by placing black individuals in the technological power elite. They want there to be many black government officials, scientists, corporation executives, and so forth. In this way, they are helping to absorb the African-American subculture into the technological system. Generally speaking, one should encourage only those social conflicts that can be fitted into the framework of the conflicts of power elite versus ordinary people, technology versus nature. So try to think about this. And listen, I'm going to make this clear. If you're listening to my show, if you're out there even listening to, uh, you know, there's there's folks that that I like, ones that I trust, don't trust and such. I'm not going to name every single person. But if you're listening to like Whitney Webb or uh, Last American Vagabond or Johnny Vedmore or Catherine Austin Fitz or John Titus or any of these type of shows, you know, Mike Moore with the Thomas Paine Podcast, you're listening to Maria Albanese on Fridays over there. You know, you're listening to all these kind of shows that are talking out against the establishment system. First off, I don't think you're going to find many people like me uh, who are going to advocate against the entire technological system. I don't go balls to the wall with this stuff. I don't come on here as some kind of a radical. I have uh, honestly really well, uh, I, I thought out really well how I was going to approach this because I didn't want to come out of the gates and tell you all that I would be for living in the woods against uh, away from the system. Nor am I saying that all of you have to do that. 
I think there could possibly be a balance between living one foot in and one foot out of the matrix. That's why I framed my show around that from the very beginning. I think the further you pull yourself out of the matrix, the more and more you're going to see that you're happier outside of the matrix. And I think that will grow. But if you're someone listening to me or these other shows and you're talking to your friends, your family, your coworkers, your associates, your acquaintances, uh, your church fellowship, whatever, about the overall dangers of the technological system. I think take it a step further than just facial recognition or the smartphone and start to talk about it in a broader sense, about the whole entire system and the people that run the system and the goals of the system and the enslavement of humanity and the engineering of humanity out of existence. Then you, in fact, are a revolutionary. You're involved with this ideological information war against the technological system. You're taking part in that. So don't look at this stuff we're reading as if you have to go out and build an army and you have to wear Che Guevara t-shirts and run around as a revolutionary. No, you are the revolutionary because you're out there speaking against the very system. You're trying to wake people up to the dangers of the system. You're trying to explain to folks the problems that they're seeing today, why those problems actually exist. Because technology, the technological system, the technocracy is the actual enemy. We've been chasing around looking at Marx. If you came from the right, we've been looking at Marxism, socialism, communism. The folks on the left have been looking at fascism and the Nazis and all this stuff. We have been doing all this, looking at all these different political ideologies, and we haven't been focused on the actual wizard behind the curtain, which is technology itself. And if people start to see this and understand that technology is going to eat humanity, the natural world, and freedom alive, it's just eating it, it's destroying it like a cancer, then maybe people will start to go, wait a second. Wait a second. I understand what you're talking about. You know, why do folks escape on the weekends and go out for a hike? Or they go out camping in the woods? They do it to escape the matrix, to step outside of that system. Something in them, either either consciously or unconsciously, because it's wired in their DNA. They want to pull out of the system. So start to uh, use that knowledge right figure out what it is in people that makes them want to pull back out of the technological system and try to wake up your friends and family using that get them out on a hike with you get them out on a camping excursion with you bring them out in nature and they will start to see how happy they are when they're disconnected from a cell signal and they're not walking around with the iPhone in their pocket, scrolling their stupid Facebook feed, looking at what a bunch of people they don't even know in real life are doing. We don't even know if half those things are bots. They could not even be real. And if they are real, who the hell cares what some person you never met is doing in their life? Go out and do those things in your life. Paragraph 192. 
But the way to discourage ethnic conflict is not through militant advocacy of minority rights. See paragraphs 21 and 29. Instead, the revolutionaries should emphasize that although minorities do suffer more or less disadvantage, this disadvantage is of peripheral significance. Our real enemy is the industrial technological system and the struggle against the system. Ethnic distractions are of no importance. There you go. That's what I was just saying. I shouldn't even have said it. I should have waited to read that. It says our real enemy is the industrial technological system. That is technocracy. That is technology in of itself. It says the struggle against the system, ethnic distractions are of no importance. This is why I've tried to point out to folks here on this show, I try to point out to people in my life, ones that sit around and watch Fox News, don't worry about the drag queen story hour. Don't worry about the whole transgender, gender bender movement. Don't worry about LBGTQ 5794 Don't worry about any of this stuff. Those are just products of the technological system that we live inside. Either they are psychological warfare operations, their controlled opposition, their misdirection, uh, or uh misdirection agents you know disinfo agents that's what the stuff is they're products of the system or they are just organic growing surrogate activities because humans have been so beaten down inside of the technological system i don't cover a lot of it on the show some of it i find to be amusing uh fascinating i'll bring in articles that you send me here and there but i try not to get involved with that stuff so much because one i'm not going to go chase a fire and try to put out the drag queen story hour number two i know it serves a larger purpose inside the decaying and destruction of the system i also know that it plays a big part in the wwe wrestling to keep you and i distracted and focused on the drag queen story hour we're not going to stop it and even if we did the technological system is growing and expanding while we're spending time chasing around the drag queen story hour all right so try to just zero in on this idea and preach the dangers of the technological system if you can get people to disconnect 10 20 30 percent of the time that is a major slap in the face to the system it is less data that the system is collecting, which they need in order to enslave us. So start to think about that, folks, over this short break. I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 